to, because we've already done John 17, but I'm going to go back to John 17 for just a minute, just so I can pivot from there into our main passage of Scripture. Amen? I just want to set up our main passage of Scripture. Okay, so John 17, 24 through 26. I said before that, um, before I read, eternal life is not perpetuation of days or extending your days. According to Jesus Christ, eternal life, he says in John 17, is knowing the one true God and his son who he has sent. Amen. And that is something that um, has stayed with me as I've studied this portion of scripture. Um, Because I often think of heaven as just the place that we, you know, are in paradise. and, And I don't think of what eternal life means to me here and now. Amen? And so I thought that was just revelation. I just want to reiterate that before I read the scripture. John 17... 24 through 26. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory, that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. And there are key verse here that I want to focus on, 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen. I want to speak to you today from the title, The Holy Spirit's Mission in the Believer. The Holy Spirit's Mission in the Believer. Amen. Now, we've been in John 17 for some time, and um, we recognize that Jesus was not just praying for the apostles, but he was also praying for his bride, the church. Amen. All who would repent of their sins and trust in the work of Christ, the cross for salvation um, before a most holy God. And it's fascinating to know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords prayed for you and me. Amen? And he continues to make intercession for his church at the right hand of the Father. But as he's praying for us, and I'm seeing how he's praying, it kind of led me to a question. And that question is, when we ask people to pray for us, What do we normally tell them? Hmm. What's on the list? What are our main concerns? What are the needs that normally come up? What are the problems that we want God to immediately solve? What do we tend to ask people to pray for? 
Now, while you're thinking of that, I want to say this. This John 17 is not my main text this morning, but I want to make a point here. Jesus said in the 26th verse, I made known your name, and I have shown them who you are, basically. I've, I've made known your name, and I will continue to make it known. I've shown the people who you are, Father. I've displayed your likeness. I've displayed your character. That's what it means by to make known his name. Amen? Now, we specifically understand that when he says here that I will continue to make it known, if Jesus is going to the cross, it can't be talking about him himself making it known. He's got to be talking about someone else. So we understand that when he says, I will make it, I will continue to make your name known, he's basically saying, specifically, the Holy Spirit would continue to make known the name of the Father, the character of the Father, and subsequently, all believers, when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come into our lives and continue to make the Father known. Amen. And Jesus prays that the Holy Spirit would do something specific. Amen. That the likeness of the Father would be continually known to us and that the love, you see it? The love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That the love of the Father and the Son, the love between the Father and the Son, would be known to the church. Simply put, the Holy Spirit is sent to reveal the character of God, which would automatically reveal to the church just how much God loves you and me. That is the point. Now, this love is not just a feeling. This love is not just something that, um, you know, most of us on the planet would come up with or how we would define love. The world nowadays wants to call everything love. <laughs> right? Everything is acceptable. Everything is love. No, that's not the love that Jesus is talking about. The, the love that Jesus is talking about is a specific love between him and his father. Amen? And that love, saints of God, is grounded in truth. You learn about this love from the word of God, and the Holy Spirit, as you read the word of God, begins to expound on that word to where we understand that the word of God is uh, implanted in us, and the Holy Spirit is bringing out what the word is saying so we understand the love of God. So the word is not just truth that you know. The word will actually become truth that you begin to live. Amen? And we cannot do this without the consistent, continual power of the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to just study your Bible for Bible study's sake. It's another thing to study your Bible to apply it to your life. And the way that happens is you're going to need dunamis power. And that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit when he lives inside of you. Amen? All right. So this is what Jesus prayed for. This is what's on Jesus' list. I want you to see this. One more time. I'm being redundant for a reason. That the likeness of the Father would be continually made known to the church and that the love between the Father and the Son would be in the church. Simply put, the character of the Father would reveal just how much God loves you and me. 
And I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus, who is God, knows how to get a prayer through. Amen? So, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is primarily doing in the life of the believer. Amen? This is the Holy Spirit's mission in the believer. Amen. So evidently, it's good to be saved. Amen? But that's not the last stop, is it? Amen? After we get saved, the top thing on Jesus' list is that we would understand and grow in the knowledge of God. Amen? And we would understand who he is and that we would understand how to grow in his love and to receive his love. Amen. Now, I find it interesting, going to our main text, that this is exactly what Paul is saying. Two different prayers saying basically the same thing. Turn with me to Ephesians 1, first chapter. Help me, Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 through 18 says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That is what Jesus prayed for. You are saved by believing the truth. You are saved by believing the gospel. You are quickened to new life, amen, and you realize that you are a sinner and that Jesus came to die for your sins and to give you his righteousness in order that your relationship with the Father would be restored, amen? And at that moment that you believe, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives inside the believer, amen? We all believe that. So in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, as it says in King James. Amen. All right. And then verse 14 says this. Who is, the Holy Spirit is, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Until we get everything, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, I want to break this word down, inheritance. Because the word inheritance is not just the streets of gold, the mansion in heaven that we're going to get, you know, peaceful living, no more tears, no more irritating people. It's not just those things. The real definition of inheritance here that he's talking about, inheritance to the believer is this. Ooh. It is total transformation into the likeness of Christ. That's what that really means. So it's not just paradise. It's you and I receiving the full package, the total transformation where you step away from your old you and you become just like Jesus. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Amen. 
that we will receive everything in its full. Are you following me? Amen. Now, let me tell you why that's a wonderful thing. Because most of the drama in my life, uh, I have done it, and it's pretty much all my fault. Are you, you know what I'm saying? And it stems from my inability to act and behave, to think and decide, make decisions like Jesus. Amen? That's been the whole problem. Now, let's be honest. Some things were done to us, and we had to deal with certain situations. So it's not all on us. But if I'm being totally honest, most of the stuff that I've dealt with in my life, it's my fault. Okay. Maybe nobody wants to get with that. God warned me to leave certain stuff alone. God warned me to leave certain people alone. And I didn't listen to them. Amen? What joy we would experience if we were able to hear now, act, and think totally like Jesus. Somebody's getting it. So most of the things that I would say that I would ask people to pray for me for, sometimes it's things that has happened to me. But honestly, some of the things on this list is some of the stuff I got myself into. Right? Come on. Let's just be honest. I wasn't acting or thinking or behaving like Jesus. Amen? The other side of that is this. I'm going to tie this in a minute. I don't know about you, but some of the stuff I got into was because I had no idea just how much God really loved me. Mm. There it is again. To know the Father, his character, and to know the love of Jesus, to know the love of God. That's what he's saying. Knowing the character of God and to know the love of God. Amen. Because the truth of this matter is, is I'm looking for things or we are often looking for things that are outside of the sheepfold. You know, where, where Jesus is is where we are protected. We are supposed to stay with our shepherd. But what we tend to do is we go outside looking for things that he did not condone. Amen. Things that he is not in agreement with. Most of it is because I'm looking for security, safety, Love, assurance, amen? But the bottom line is, is that those things are found in God and God alone. So the inheritance is not about streets of gold. The full inheritance actually is looking, living, thinking, behaving, deciding like Jesus. Amen. So we will stay in the Father's love. So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that every single promise of God is already mine. I've not, I've not acquired all of it yet, but the Holy Spirit is the down payment that I have from God that I will receive every promise that God has for me. And when you think like that, that will change everything in your life. When you know that's the truth, it'll change the decisions you make. Amen? It'll change what you think you got to have. It'll change, when you th when, uh, it'll change when, who you think you got to have. It'll, 
You won't be looking at everybody else and what they have. You'll be like, I already got everything I need because I've got a guarantee, and the guarantee is the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. So if God is going to give me his Holy Spirit as a down payment, then certainly every promise of God is on its way. It's coming to me. Amen and amen. 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 So... Who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? So Paul gives praise to God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. That kind of understanding, saints, will change everything in your life. So instead of tripping off of what you do not have, praise God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He is our guarantee. All right, so now that truth in reality, knowing that the Ephesian believers are saved, knowing that the Ephesian believers have received the Holy Spirit, it causes Paul to go into what? Same thing in John 17, prayer. Amen? Starting at the 15th verse. Ephesians 1, 15, there we go. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. When Paul thinks of the promises that are guaranteed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, he is overwhelmed and he is driven to his knees to pray for us. And what does he pray? Very simply, Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of the Father. Paul is praying that the spirit would give you insight into not just what you're asking God to do, but what God has already done. Amen? Moody says this, having the spirit of wisdom and revelation has to do with knowing God and grasping spiritual truth. Although believers are already indwelt with the Holy Spirit, they continually need his work in them to understand the things of God. Amen? So there it is again. Jesus is saying, I am what? Praying that the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal to you who God is. They're saying the same exact thing. Amen. So it's not mere cognit uh, cognition or, you know, mental understanding or theological understanding, you know, where it's just head knowledge, but to where the knowledge of God, the love of God moves from your head into your heart so that you can live on it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So here's the thing. He's asking for spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Amen? To where God's truth and everything he has done for you gets moved into your heart. And this is key. I'm not going to be before you very long. This is key. Why do we need it moved in our heart? Verse 18 says that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Did you know that your heart has eyes? 
What? That doesn't make any sense. Pastor, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? One of the things that believers desperately need to know, I'm just teaching this morning, is how God values you. We look for value in so many other places. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've done that. Amen? We need to know how much God values you. You need to know that he loved you enough over and over again to give his son to you. The most precious thing he could ever give you, he has given to his church. Amen? We need to understand that he values us. To have the Holy Spirit continually remind you just how much God loves you. The eye is what I use to see things. I can see what's around me, and I can also see what's ahead of me. Amen? In the presence, I can see what's happening in this room, and I can also see, like, if I'm driving, I can see where I'm headed towards. Amen? When I'm, my exit that I need to get off or whatever have you. We have the ability to see what's around us, and what's ahead of us. Paul is praying that your heart would be able to see what's around you and what's ahead of you. Amen? So when we're praying for wisdom and knowledge, that is giving you discernment to understand what's happening right now. Some of the things that I'm going through right now, the way I see things is I'm saying, Lord, what are you doing? I don't get it. I don't understand it. This makes no sense to me. This is hurting me, God. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Now, the interesting thing about it is because my thoughts are not his, my, his thoughts and my ways are not his way. The way God may see my situation could be completely and totally different. He could be looking at it like, you know what? This is amazing. This is good. I've been trying to get you here for three years. In this place? Yes, in this place, as low as it is, this is where I'm actually working. As tough as it is, this is where I'm actually moving. You couldn't tell what I was doing when you were on the mountaintop. You thought that that was the only time that I was really doing something. The truth of the matter is, is when you're in this valley, that's where I'm working. So I, what you need is eyes to see not only what's coming, but where you are right now. Because the truth is, if we knew what God was really up to, we would kick ourselves. Every time we complain. Amen? We have a kick out of because we can't see what he's up to. Amen? So he's, he's praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, not only to see what's happening now, but also the hope which he has called you to. That you may know the hope of his calling. The meaning here is that it would be an inestimable privilege to be made fully aware and acquainted with the benefits of the Christian hope, and to be permitted to understand fully what God has in store for Christians and what the Christian has a right to expect in this world and in the glory to come. I believe what he's saying here is this. The glory that is coming to us, saints, 
It's something that Satan does not want us to see. Amen? He wants us distracted by our pain, our misery, what has happened to us, what God has allowed, the things we don't understand. He wants us wrapped up in all of that stuff to the point to where we lose focus on what's coming, the glory that is coming to the believer. This is the hope that we have been given in Christ Jesus, and this will change everything about how you see where you are and where you're going. Amen? Paul is praying that we would, as believers, just get a glimpse of what's coming to us. I believe this is Paul's secret weapon that Paul used to have joy no matter what situation he was in. Here's the thing. How else could you be sitting in jail surrounded by centurion guards in Rome, chained up and going nowhere, and somehow have the ability to write about the glory of God, the blessings of the Lord, about what's coming to the believer in spite of what he's dealing with. What I'm trying to say to you, saints, is this. No matter what you're facing right now, God wants you to have eyes in your heart that can see what's coming so you can deal with your situations no matter how horrible they may be. Paul is in jail talking about God is good. Oh, okay. All right. He could see something that others could not see. His heart had eyes on the promises of God. Amen? And when your heart can see what's coming, you're not so easily affected by everything that's happening to you. So, very simple. Real quick. The Holy Spirit fills us with a sense of God's love. He assures us that he has adopted us as his children. He helps us to manifest Christ's likeness. Amen? And that's not just in, only in the area of dealing with sin and temptation. That's also in dealing with trouble and trials. Amen? That means that you could be in a storm and act like Jesus. You, you know what I'm saying? Think about it. What happened on that boat? You remember that story? Everybody was freaking out on the boat. The storm was rising, and the boat was shaking, and the, and the disciples thought that they were going to lose their lives. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was asleep. Jesus was sleeping. Before Jesus spoke to the storm, he was asleep, which means he wasn't worried about what was going to happen to him. Amen? If we could just rest in our situations, in our trials, having hearts that understand the glory that is coming, amen? If we could just rest, we would be able to understand that whatever trouble we're in, it's not bigger than God, amen? Do you know how many times I could have kicked myself from all the changes I took myself through Worrying about how God was going to bring me out of it. Not realizing that God was always in control in the first place. Always. Amen? The Spirit is a once and for all identification that gives us continued assurance that we are God's children. We are entitled to his riches. 
We are entitled to his goodness. Amen. We are entitled to his blessings both here and in, in eternity. God will take care of his children. God will take care of his children. That is the truth. God will take care of his children, saints. Amen? So, knowing that, seeing two different prayers, I'm almost done. Not going to be before you long. We see what's in the prayer, but do we notice what's not in the prayers? When you ask someone to pray for you, what are you primarily asking for? Hmm? Notice what's not on the list. Relief from things that we want God to get us out of. Not there. Changing of some type of uncomfortable circumstance. Not there. Prayers for promotion. <laughs> Not there. Prayers for more recognition. Not there. Prayers for more money. Not there. Prayers for more friends. Not there. Prayers for more romance. Not there. Uh oh. Somebody's leaving the church. <laughs> Jesus, who sends the Holy Spirit, and Paul, who had received the Holy Spirit, neither one of them had these temporary things in their prayer list. Interesting. Hmm. Now, we claim to have the Holy Spirit. What are we mainly praying for? Hmm. Is it temporary stuff? When are we praying and what are we praying for? Are we praying for things on this list like, you know, temporary things? When we pray for others, are we asking that the Holy Spirit would reveal the character of God so that we would know his love and be secured by his love? Are we focused only on the specific situations that we want God to get rid of? Hmm? The primary thing that I see here, saints, is that the Holy Spirit would reveal God's character, which ultimately will reveal how much he loves us. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that we should not pray for those other things. I'm just saying, do we pray that God would make himself known? to you, and to the others that we're praying for? Do we pray that they would know, that we would know God's love, that we would be assured of his love? Is that what we're asking for? The Holy Spirit's mission is clear. We should mainly be praying in concert with what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. Amen? Somebody got it. Amen. Romans 5.5 5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit's mission to the believer is first and primary this, primarily this, that you know God's character and that you receive his love. And everything else shall be added. Right? The problem is, is when we overfocus on the things and we're not praying the main prayer focus. I believe that God will give us some of those things. I'm actually praying for some of those things. One thing in particular, I'm not going to tell you what it is. None of your business. But my first and primary prayer is, Lord, if I get that thing that I'm praying for and I don't find myself rooted and grounded in your love, I'm in trouble. And guess what it more than likely end up being? Something that y'all got to pray me out of. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Isn't that true? Haven't we seen this in our lives? He will be first. And he must be first because that is his will and that is his best for us. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit's mission in the believer. I'm done. Amen. Amen.